hey there. Hey there, welcome to The Sword and the Cloud. This is season two. My name's Bill Dykstra. So last season, I think we did 60 episodes. That's bonkers. That's way too much. I don't know why I did that. I was like dialed in, and I guess I didn't have any summer plans, so I was like, I'm going to start a podcast and do way too many episodes. Anyways, it just means that next summer I get to take a break from this. So we're not going to do that many episodes. I think we're just going to do a few episodes a month. Um, just kind of pick some saints and or pick some feast days even and just kind of talk about them with someone else. It's not going to be just me anymore. I'm going to be talking with someone else and we're going to have some maybe some commentary on it, some reactions to, to the saints' lives that we go over and to the sermons we talk about. So like today... Today we are going to be going over the exaltation of the precious and life-saving cross. And we're going to be hearing a homily from St. Andrew of Crete. And then afterwards, Sarah and I, Sarah, my wife, you remember her from the very first episode? She was going to produce some episodes. You should probably bug her about that. Anyways, her and I are just going to talk about the homily that we read today from St. Andrew. So this feast day that we're going to be celebrating, well, we're recording this ahead of time, but Saturday is going to be the the feast day of the exaltation of the Holy and Life-Saving Cross. That feast day dates back to the moment where St. Helena discovered the true cross in Jerusalem. Now, we've gone over that story before in the podcast, so if you want to cycle back to the episode of on St. Helena, um, go ahead and do so uh, if you need a refresher. But anyways, we're going to be going over St. Andrew of Crete's words today. St. Andrew is special because he left his mark on our on our um, liturgical year. Because during Great Lent, there are the canons of St. Andrew. And it's a, it's a rite of prostrations that we do in the Eastern Church during Great Lent. And I think when it's done properly, it's like 30... Pro- Oh, 30. It's three hours, three hours of prostrations, and you're meant to feel sore when you go back. Now, we've shortened that down a lot. I don't know why, because I, I think people make the excuse that we're, you know, accommodating old ladies. But you know what? Any Anytime I've gone to the canons and there's old people there, they're down on their hands and knees just as many times as I am. And they keep up, no problem. Anyways, I should say that uh, St. Andrew is very important to us in the East. And you know what? I think his homily today is going to be pretty powerful. Um, and I, I believe I mentioned that afterwards, we're going to be, I'm going to be talking to my wife, Sarah, and we're going to be going over this particular homily and what kind of strikes us about it. Anyway, so without further ado, here will be the, the sermon on the exaltation of the Holy Cross by St. Andrew of Crete. Oration 10 by St. Andrew of Crete We are celebrating the feast of the cross, which drove away darkness and brought in the light. As we keep this feast, we are lifted up with the crucified Christ, leaving behind us earth and sin so that we may gain the things above. So great and outstanding a possession is the cross that he who wins it has won a treasure. Rightfully could I call this treasure the fairest of all fair things, and the costliest, in fact, as well as a name, for on it, and through it, and for its sake the riches of salvation that has been lost were restored to us. 
Had there been no cross, Christ could not have been crucified. Had there been no cross, life itself could not have been nailed to the tree. And if life had not been nailed to it, there would be no streams of immortality pouring from Christ's side, blood and water for the world's cleansing. The legal bond of our sin would not be cancelled. We should not have attained our freedom. We should not have enjoyed the fruits of the tree of life, and the gates of paradise would not stand open. Had there been no cross, death would not have been trodden underfoot, nor hell despoiled. Therefore, the cross is something wonderfully great and honorable. It is great because through the cross the many noble acts of Christ found their consummation, very many indeed, for both his miracles and his sufferings were fully rewarded with victory. The cross is honorable because it is both the sign of God's suffering and the trophy of his victory. It stands for his suffering because on it he freely suffered unto death, but it is also his trophy because it was the means by which the devil was wounded and death conquered. The barred gates of hell were smashed, and the cross became the one common salvation of the whole world. The cross is called Christ's glory. It is saluted as his triumph. We recognize it as the cup he longed to drink and the climax of his sufferings. He endured for our sake. As to the cross being Christ's glory, listen to his words. Now is the Son of Man glorified, and in him God is glorified, and God will glorify him at once. And again, Father, glorify me with the glory I had with thee before the world came to be. And once more, Father, glorify thy name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. Here he speaks of the glory that would occur to him through the cross. And if you would understand that the cross is Christ's triumph, hear what he himself also said. When I am lifted up, then I will draw all men to myself. Now you can see that the cross is Christ's glory and triumph. Okay, Sarah, <laughs> let me know what you know, or what you thought, of the homily from St. Andrew. Well, it just made me think about how, if you were kind of watching the passion unfold, even the disciples, I think, but especially the people who didn't understand Jesus' mission, or even, I think, the enemy and his sort of crew of, like, demons who were egging people on to kill Jesus, I think it would look like evil had won when Jesus gets crucified. Mm -hmm. And so the genius of the cross is that it looked like a defeat mm -hmm. to everyone even who kind of had the right perspective or some of it. Mm -hmm. And it's just so... Yeah, it's the genius of the cross. I think because we've heard the whole story, we forget maybe what the genius of it is, if you were there. We take it for granted. Yeah. And like, essentially. We, we take a lot of these Bible stories for granted. Yeah. But especially when you think about the passion, like Peter denied Christ. Mm -hmm. And I wonder sometimes if part of that is because it looked like 
he's been condemned to be executed, so he maybe he isn't who he said he was. Because mm-hmm. we're, like, we essentially lost, it just hasn't actually mm-hmm. proceeded with the execution. Right. Or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so I wonder a little bit if the father of lies even had a moment where he's, like, egging on these high priests and all the political machinations required. Mm. I wonder if he even was like, yes, excellent, in that moment, mm-hmm. until the twirling resurrection. His, twirling his mustache. Yeah, exactly, and yeah. like, skipping off, ready to skip off into the sunset. Mm. And so what's so beautiful and interesting about the cross, and it's kind of what St. Andrew's touching on here in this homily, is it's sort of... It's his trophy, but it's also his trophy because it's really, like, genius move. Anyway, that was my thought. Mm -hmm. And there's um, a poet named Gerard Manley Hopkins who actually has a poem that could be argued to be about that moment. Mm -hmm. It's called The Wind Hover. Mm -hmm. And it's about a bird and watching this bird be the thing... God created it to be, but it's kind of also like this bird's a metaphor for our Lord. Mm-hmm. It's so beautiful and it's majestic because it's doing what a bird's supposed to do best. Right. But then there's this moment when a bird's in flight and mm-hmm. it buckles its wings and it looks like it's in a free fall, mm-hmm. but it's actually a controlled maneuver. Oh yeah. And he, he doesn't explicitly compare that to the passion mm-hmm. or the crucifixion of Christ. Mm-hmm. But a lot of commentary has been made because mm-hmm. then he goes on and the end is about like the incarnation. And because of so this the, moment, the swallow or whatever is falling, but what does it do? It, it glides and yeah. then catches itself and, it catches itself and rises again at the very end. And he uses all this regal, like language of royalty mm. in gushing about this bird to the point where you're like this is kind of weird it's just a bird but then (laughs) obviously anyway that's my whole english nerd tangent Mm -hmm. but the sonnet structure centers around this word that buckle this moment Mm. and the word buckle the wings buckling and this feeling of kind of panic of free fall Mm. but the bird's like i got this Mm -hmm. and i feel like that is so eloquent Mm -hmm. about the cross because I I don't I mean think about it if you're God and you're like hatching this plan this is getting I don't know how God thinks no 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 (laughs) yeah and I don't not that I presume but you kind of gotta wonder if there's a little bit of like yeah you know Satan's never gonna see this coming Mm. he's gonna think he got me interesting anyway that's I mean maybe that's because I'm also like Mm -hmm. thinking a lot about the enemy's presence in our lives and how he tries to get us all the time right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but right. Anyway, that was my thought. Mm-hmm. Blah. How about you, Mr. Dengstra? Well, <laughs> what did you think of this? I have <laughs> one kind of like petty thing. Okay. Mine's a little bit petty too. Well, I have one petty thing where it's like in it, he says here, I, I looked it up. The legal bond of sin would not be canceled without the cross. Mm-hmm. And there's this thing in the Eastern church where it's like, we, we go by this slogan almost, 
where we say, you know, we think about sin first and foremost as this disease. This is how the Eastern Church thinks about sin. We think about it like we're sick and then Christ came to heal us. And all that's true. And, you know, uh, we, we do call Christ the true physician, you know. But at the same time, we can't exclude the idea of sin being like a penalty that needs to be paid for. Mm. You know, we, we, and we do need to look at, as, at this as a legalistic thing to get the full picture. Mm-hmm. And so that's what we always blame the Western church for, always so legalistic. <laughs> and, you know, you think sin is, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's judgment or, or it's punishment for a wrongdoing and stuff like that. It, it is. It totally is. And so we in the Eastern Church can kind of get into the, we can fall into characterizing ourselves. Mm -hmm. You know, well, we just think about it like this, or we just think about it like this. But here's our guy. Here's our guy, St. Andrew of Creed, talking about the legal penalty of sin, that it would not be canceled for us. Mm -hmm. And so I think that that, that's my petty thing at first. But I was also reading this a few times and thinking, he's trying to convince me that the cross is glory. I get that. You know, of course I get that. That the, that the cross is glory, that it's, it's, the, it's the summation of all of his doings, is what he says. You know, all, all of, the, all of the, the miracles, all of his works come to his climax in the cross. And it's like, oh yeah, totally, I believe that. But it's not true. I don't believe that. Mm-hmm. And, mean, and, practically. And you don't believe that either. Mm-hmm. Or we would live differently. Well, when you're hungry on the couch and you're suffering. Hypothetically, everyone. That it just happened. I was so angry before <laughs> You were we so this. angry. And the thing is, as Christians, <laughs> when we suffer, we are mystically united to Christ on the cross. Mm-hmm. Where is the glory when we're uncomfortable? Not just suffering, not nails through our skin, but when we're uncomfortable mm-hmm. or when we're you know, hungry or when we are going through like emotional torment, it's just, woe is me. Mm-hmm. It's just, mm-hmm. ah, you know, it's not, it's not, oh, you know, I'm suffering. This is me sharing, you know, the glory of Christ's cross. Isn't that lovely? <laughs> like, I've never said that in my entire life. And I likely won't say that for quite some time. I'm going to try to. But it's more like, oh, I guess this is me. Yeah. Sharing. And it's like, we only believe that the cross is glory in a certain circumstance with a certain person. Yeah, it's fine for us to look at Jesus up on the cross, but not ourselves. Mm-hmm. It yeah. doesn't extend to us. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that was another piece of what I was thinking about with this, this event that looked like a victory for the enemy. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it also is something that we can take back into those moments where everything's falling apart. It's like, this might look like, even when we are just like, oh crap, like I just did a horrible thing. I'm a horrible sinner. Mm-hmm. To realize, not that those moments are also our victory in the way that Christ's apparent death was his victory. It's not the same thing. But that if we take them back or allow them to be united with the cross. Mm. I mean, you hear so many saints say, my weakness is what glorifies God. Or me. Yeah. It's, me taking that's that Paul. to be redeemed, you know? Yeah. yeah St. Paul says that. Um I think St. Therese and St. Dina Bellagia are like really big about mm-hmm. how little they are and how that makes more room for God to glor- 
bring his glory mm-hmm. and, and let it shine through them because if they were awesome, you know, this is what they would say. Obviously, we think they're awesome, but mm-hmm. they they would say if they were a lot more awesome, then people wouldn't know whether it was God or mm-hmm. <laughs> them being awesome. Um, what was the other thing? How will we pour a cup of tea right now? I want yeah. a cup of tea, and I see my cup over there, and I can't reach it. Mm-hmm. And so we're tea just break. my tea break. There's one more thing, and I can't. Well, I have another thing. If okay. You mind. So there, I was looking at the scripture passages that he was quoting at the end, mm-hmm. and it's kind of funny because all of them are from John. Yeah, I it's it's that. from John 17, going back to uh, chapter 12, mm-hmm. and. One, I, I just really thought that that was interesting to note because it didn't necessarily say that in the in the text that we got. Mm-hmm. And it he the the it was chapter seventeen verse five, and I looked it up, and I wanted to say all of five because I think he says half of it. Maybe he might say all of it. Do we know if this is the actual reading from the Sunday that? Oh, you know what? I didn't even look it up. Or is it something? Yeah, I was just curious. I, mean, I had a feeling we might not know that detail. We will look it up, folks. What the actual... So this is from... This is four in verse 4 and 5 of chapter 17. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work which you gave me to do. For now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory which I had with you before the world was made. And he's saying this right before he's arrested. This is right before he's going to Gethsemane. He's praying for the church. And he's, he's, he's looking to God and he's saying, he's uniting the idea of glory with the will of the Father. Mm-hmm. And because, because Christ is generated by the Father, glory doesn't come from anywhere else except from the Godhead. And, and so it's not like a subordinating to someone else. Well, it is. It is a subordinating to, to the Father. And, and it's not, and it doesn't take anything away from Christ's glory himself because it stays within the Trinity, says St. Hilary. Mm-hmm. And so when we're looking at this, when we're looking at glory, we, we see the cross, it is the will of the Father presented to us. Mm-hmm. which I think is more shocking and I think is more jarring. Mm-hmm. And so, again, it's back to that he's convincing us that this is actually glory. Yeah, it's almost like he's giving them a preemptive. It's like, he's like, like this is going to make so much sense in like 24 hours, but if they don't remember it, <laughs> you know, like right. before he's like, he knows what's going to happen. Right. He's trying to prepare. But St. Andrew is trying yeah. to convince us that this is glory. Oh, I see what you're right? saying. Yeah. And it's like, there are so many reasons why we would look at the cross actually, even when it comes to ourselves and even if it comes to just the bare image of the cross, which you began with, mm-hmm. and we would think, no, it's not glory. Yeah. How could that even yeah. possibly? And I think that that is, you know, think of the wider world. Mm-hmm. That is the message of the wider world. If we sum it all down, we, we sum up secular society, it's that the cross is not glory. Mm-hmm. And we need, to, we need to re-educate ourselves with the content of the cross. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of like he said, at the very beginning he says, we're celebrating the feast of the cross, which drove away darkness and brought in the light. As we keep this feast, we are lifted up 
with the crucified Christ, mm. leaving behind us earth and sin, so we may gain the things above. So great and outstanding a possession is the cross that he who wins it has won a treasure. Rightly could I call this treasure fairest of the fair things and costliest. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like we forget that all the time. We mm-hmm. forget like these little things that are sort of deprivations of what we think of as glory mm-hmm. in a worldly sense. I mean, you had a spiritual director tell you once that when you're feeling like rough and at the bottom of the pecking order, you know, it might be because you're a Christian and your like measurement of mm. whether or not you're in the will of God it has nothing to do with like owning it, mm-hmm. you know, killing it at work or something like that. Right. Right. It, it's there's a different metric mm-hmm. and we I think we play this ping pong game mm-hmm. you know where when you sit down and pray you're like well yeah I believe that this is the valuable costly fairest of fair treasures right. and I, I want to be lifted up for the things above and I don't care mm-hmm but then on the, like, subconscious, like, place that you act out of in gut mm-hmm. reactions to life. And I think that's the journey yeah. of prayer. And I think that's the takeaway to meditate with on this is to continue to pray and pray that we get to the point where our gut reactions and our automatic way mm. of assessing the world and situations is through this lens. Through the cross. And I think the only way we, yeah, the only way we get closer and closer to that is meditating on the cross, is participating in mm-hmm. the sacrifice mm-hmm. of the liturgy, At liturgy. the sacrifice because of the mass, whatever. The liturgy is comes from the cross. Mm-hmm. It comes from the blood gushing forth from his side, as he's talking it about. It is the cross. It is the, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if liturgy is the cross. I don't know if that's, I like don't know if that's true. That's what I was just accurate, like. I was like, oh, is we're just conjecturing, it's and the we don't know actually. That happened. Yeah, yeah. Re- it brought. Re- it, yeah. Reenacted. Mm-hmm. Re. Realized. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's not a word, but whatever. Talking about my spiritual director, he was reminding me yesterday that Aquinas said that with one drop of his blood, he renewed the entire world. Yeah. Just that was all that was sufficient for for regenerating all of human society, culture, history, mm-hmm. and all of creation was with one tiny drop of his blood. <laughs> yeah. And then tomorrow, so when we go to liturgy, this is we're, we're recording this night before. Tomorrow when we go to liturgy, we actually have um, points where we all bow down hands and knees on our faces and venerate the cross. And there's these times where, and I think we do it, we do it over and over again, and then we'll do it over and over again throughout any liturgy that's happening during this, the, the festal week mm-hmm. of, of the exaltation of the Holy Cross. Mm-hmm. And we say, by your cross, O Master, we bow in we veneration. Bow veneration, and we glorify your resurrection? Resurrection, yeah. I think so. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I hope we're, <laughs> I hope we're right. It's funny when you're used to singing something. Yeah, and then and you're... And you have to just recite it, and it's like... And I we get down on our hands and faces, and <laughs> and it's uh, it's one of my favorite times of the year. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. 
And it's funny because right when we're about to do it, everyone knows what's happening. And you see people shuffling to the outside of the aisles to get into the, <laughs> you know, sometimes they out of the pews. they sat not near the edge. And yeah. you can see how invested they are. They're like, sorry, sorry, sorry. And they're like sneaking past people to get up into the aisle. Right. Okay, yeah. cool. I'll, I think, we, so I think we did it. I guess, yeah, that's... I think my challenge that I'm realizing in this conversation is to like meditate on how far my knee-jerk reactions are from Oh totally, yeah. From reacting through the lens, that yeah. lens of the cross. And mm-hmm. I think that'll be the thing for me to take in my prayer this week. Mm-hmm. Um maybe that's my challenge. Cool. Alright, so that was my conversation with Sarah. And that was our episode on the exaltation of the Holy Cross. Now, I usually try to have a prayer or something at the end. So what I've actually asked Sarah to do, because she's got a pretty banging voice, is to sing the refrain that we pray that we sing at, uh, at liturgy when we, go to, um, when we go to venerate the cross. Um, so listen to that for the very end. And yeah, thanks very much for listening. This has been our first episode of season two. Have a good one. To your cross, O Master, we bow in veneration, and we glorify your holy resurrection. To your cross, O Master, We bow in veneration And we glorify your holy resurrection